This is the 323 with Reed Murphy, presented by 323 Entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 323. I'm your host, Reed Murphy. We back. It's been a minute, but we're back and we're bringing plenty of content for you. Thanks for hanging with us. Let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into it with some news to know. If anyone were to ask, what is America's national pastime? I think there could be arguments for two different answers. Baseball and racism. And those two have definitely crossed over plenty of times, including very recently in a game between the Miami Marlins and the Colorado Rockies. Or so we thought. Because in a game against the Rockies in their abnormally quiet Colorado Stadium, Marlins outfielder Lewis Brinson came up to bat and began hearing someone from the crowd screaming the N-word at him over and over. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. And with the recent behavior by fans at sporting events, something we've actually covered recently on the show, This isn't too much of a surprise. But if you take into account that, according to many people who had to suffer through the year of Black Lives Matter protests and deal with the audacity of people fighting for racial equality, racism is supposed to be dead. This is a shock. Because how? Racism is dead. We beat it. We finished it. We got Aunt Jemima off the syrup bottle and people put black boxes on their Instagram timeline for a day, and the country acknowledged the Black Wall Street massacre for the first time after it happened a hundred years ago. America did everything right. Racism is over. But no, now we have some assholes screaming the N-word at Lewis Brinson in the middle of a baseball stadium. Except, actually, Turns out, according to the Rockies, after analyzing all the security tapes and witnesses, the fan was actually screaming, Dinger! Dinger! To catch the attention of the Rockies' baffling mascot, Dinger, a wonderfully purple Triceratops. Dinger! Dinger! He almost sounds like, uh, John from Bridesburg. The Riders coming! At least in the last 60 years, public racists have 
intended to be slightly more subtle than screaming the word in the middle of a public place. I mean, they'll say, you know, everything else. They won't say the word, but they'll, you know, strongly hint at it. We had four years of strong hints at it. You know, even with that, granted, I've had my own experience at an old job where we had a crazy customer came in screaming the N-word around the store and at me and at a co-worker before he went outside and started waving a Confederate flag. But typically... It's always just been side eyes at me and getting followed around the aisles of stores and locking the car doors when I'm just walking down the uh, walking down the parking lot to the store. Shit like that. So anywho, thank you, Dinger, for ending racism again. Dinger! 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 Ugh. Yeah, we're going to have to change Dinger's name. Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi? Lionel? 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 Lionel Messi? Lionel Richie? Lionel Richie? Lionel? Lionel Richie, help me. Hey, have you ever met Lionel Messi, the soccer player? <laughs> My son. You, you you have met him? No, I have not met him, but I look forward to meeting him. Do you know you know his parents named him after you? I know. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. All right, baby, take what, care. What would you Lionel Messi. Thank you, Lionel Richie. What a random question. Whole lot of useless information, but what a random question and a random exchange to have with Lionel Richie. Lionel Messi has left Barcelona with money issues plaguing Barca despite them getting a $220 million payout from Neymar years back that they could have and probably should have used toward one of the greatest ever in soccer's history and their own star in Messi, they had to let him go. And the Atomic Flea has taken his talents to Paris Saint-Germain on a two-year deal that may just end with him coming to the States for MLS. This has arguably been the biggest sports story in the world. But I found it hilarious in coverage here in the States on the day that the news broke because ESPN's big evening sports center was all ready to tackle the major news, hyping it up as the biggest news in the world at the top of their show, but had to quickly shuffle it out of the way and hold for later in order to break into highlights from the NFL's Hall of Fame game between the Dallas Cowboys and Pittsburgh Steelers, the first preseason game of the year, and famously the shittiest part of the shittiest time of the NFL season. Ah, America. We have our priorities straight. Soccer may be the world's game and deserves the respect of coverage when it comes to history making moments like that but it better take a damn seat every single time we get to witness Garrett Gilbert versus Dwayne Haskins on prime time. Welcome back, football. The Atlanta Falcons have become the first NFL team to be 100% vaccinated against the COVID virus, with many other teams nearing that wonderful mark. 
We're weeks away from the start of the regular season, and it's good to see teams taking a serious stand against this virus and doing their best to make sure things don't go sideways. But it's also quite impressive when you look at the strong stances many star players have taken against getting the vaccine. And actually, I'm not going to be shy and nice about it with this. They're flat-out stupid stances. Kirk Cousins, starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, has been one of the loudest against the vaccine, even throwing out the idea that he could surround himself with plexiglass during team meetings to keep from being a threat or contracting the virus instead of, you know, just getting the shots that are designed to do that for you. Then there's Lamar Jackson, starting quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, who actually caught COVID in the middle of last season and had to miss time, risking losses for his team at a crucial period of the season. Jackson admitted to having bad symptoms during that period, but still opted not to get the vaccine when it became available. Fast forward months later, and Jackson has caught the virus again. He's been cleared to come back to camp, but again had to tackle serious and shitty symptoms. But when asked again by reporters if he's going to get the vaccine now, he still used the famous cop-out answer of, that's a personal decision. Which is still better than Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott ducking the question entirely by saying it'd be a HIPAA violation to disclose that info. Dumbass. But Lamar also stated that he needs to talk to team doctors and see if they recommend him getting it. Which, spoiler alert, of course they want you to get it. Listen, I can somewhat understand the hesitancy by these pro athletes with the vaccine and their concern over what they're putting in their bodies. But they also never even blink at the painkillers that they inject at halftime to get through a second quarter strain or tear. You saw that during the college football playoffs. Justin Fields got some whopping leg hamstring injury, shot him up with something, didn't care what it was, got right back out there. They do this all the time in the pros. And with people all over claiming they still need to see what's happening with it or do more research, fucking look around. This vaccine has been out for seven months. Zombies have not started roaming. None of us have gills. And they chant about freedom to do this and that. Fuck your freedom. Stop being selfish. Because while we can't pay people to take this miracle shot, People in other countries are dying, protesting their governments to even have a chance of getting it. Lamar just baffles me the most because I had a mild, quote unquote, mild case of COVID. That's how my doctor described it back in January. And it was mild compared to many of so many of the common cases. I caught it two weeks before I was set to get the vaccine. And even with mild symptoms, it was the most miserable I have ever been from a sickness. It was the most scared I've ever been while sick. Literally fearing that I was going to die one night when breathing issues started to set in. And after having it, I got to deal with the lingering effects. Like extreme fatigue and shoddy breathing from doing routine things at work. And very fun memory loss at different points. 
for Lamar to go through, I'm sure, similar shit twice and see other NFL players like the pinnacle of fitness, Miles Garrett, having a coughing fit during a game and looking shot months after having the virus, it baffles me that Lamar and so many other leaders of their teams are still being this stubborn with weeks to go before the season. Best of luck to them. And shout out to the Falcons. Excellent work by that whole organization. The 2020 Olympics in 2021 are over. And meh. Started out super excited for them. Got really into skateboarding that first weekend, but I don't know. I just couldn't hang with it this time. Storylines didn't really capture me. There were a lot of disappointing events for the USA. And the coverage was awful. Again. And thankfully, I wasn't the only one who noticed it. Because NBC's around-the-clock coverage was shit on from every corner of the country for a variety of reasons. Ranging from confusion over where to find certain events at certain times on whatever the hell channel they were using, or, God forbid, Peacock, to that strange habit NBC has of breaking into Olympic events with commercials, literally during the event. For instance, I'm not a soccer fan, but I do love it televised simply because their coverage is so tight and strict on there being no commercials during a match till the half because there is truly no time and no way to do it. NBC said, fuck that, fuck you, hold my beer, and threw commercials in during almost every match. Always magically as something was about to happen or even returning from the commercial to the shock that someone scored during that time. So while we were plagued by NBC's stranglehold on Olympics coverage and disappointing finishes to many matches, you know what? The USA still couldn't be denied our deserving win. Finishing with the highest overall medal count, but most importantly, the most gold medals. Barely edging out China, 39 to 38. But hold on, because China has attempted to get sneaky. Because only when they need them, China has tried to claim Hong Kong and Thailand as rightful parts of their medal counts, which would give them 40 golds. But the world collectively said, just like NBC says to soccer coverage, fuck that, fuck you, fuck out of here. Good job, USA. And do better, NBC. And bring back Friday Night Lights. For whom the bell tolls. It tolls for amateurism in sports. That's the dramatic, deathly flair so many college sport purists have come out with since the NCAA's adoption of the name, image, and likeness policy, also known as the NIL. The enforcement of the NIL is one of the most significant changes in all of sports in decades for a variety of reasons. 
The most important being that it finally allows for college athletes to make money without some type of punishment being handed down by the NCAA. Through the NIL, in states that have adopted the policy, which is many, while many others have introduced bills to get it signed into law, college athletes can legally be paid for the commercial use of, well, their name, image, and likeness. Basically, they can finally sign endorsement deals, charge for autographs, sell their own merch, and make money off of social media endeavors. And while boosters or schools themselves can't directly pay the athletes, the loopholes they've always used to pay the players are even bigger and easier to get through because everyone knows damn well that the money was always coming under the table at so many D1 programs anyway, at the very least for football and basketball. And overall, it still opens up wide opportunities for these students to jump into the money pool they've been kept out of for far too long. It's the shallow end of the pool, but at least they're getting wet now. It's been reported by Forbes that the NCAA makes about $8 billion annually, and less than 7% of that revenue actually trickles down to football and men's basketball programs through scholarships or living stipends, despite how much of that money those two sports bring in. And I mean the power of college football and men's basketball is undeniable. March is only bearable as a month because of the pure fun and insanity that is the men's basketball tournament, March Madness. And the money it brings in through advertising, gambling, social media explosions that come with bracket making around the country, it helps fuel programs all over. And as big as that all is, compare it to the monster that is college football. An argument could be made that NCAA football is right up there with the NFL and possibly more so than the NBA in terms of the most powerful sports in America. Television rights deals, battles between ESPN and Fox, they've only raised the profits, while sponsorships for the seemingly endless amount of bowl games have all helped to basically make college football the unofficial minor league for the NFL. Stars are born and followed for years from their freshman year, I mean, we all basically watched and waited and drooled over Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence for three years, waiting to see where he'd end up in the NFL. Congrats, Jacksonville. While also pondering, why the hell should Lawrence even bother with college and potentially hurt himself? We know he's going to be an NFL star. Why take the chance of fucking that up? And that question has actually created a recurring problem in college football for almost a decade, as witnessing the heartbreaking injury of a star college athlete ahead of their drafting, which typically costs them millions. Look at Jalen Smith of the Dallas Cowboys. It's caused many players to forego bowl games and even their entire junior or senior seasons to prepare for the NFL draft instead if they know that they're going to have a least a great chance of being a first-rounder. And why not? Colleges like Florida, Texas A&M, would make millions off of nameless, quote-unquote, generic jerseys repping number 15 or number 2, while everyone damn well knows they're repping Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel, both of whom never saw a cent from those profits that would have ranked them over the jersey sales of NFL superstars. 
if these schools are going to shamelessly make money off of my likeness, what really is loyalty for a bowl game that's ultimately meaningless when I have a well-paying NFL career to prep for and stay healthy for? But it's this smart business mindset that so many have adopted that so many fans have shamed young athletes for and has had many decrying the new NIL policy. Many fans fear that the NIL policy will not only take out the amateurism in amateur sports, but also kill the heart and spirit of college sports that make it so extra soulful and attractive. That school spirit and love of the game that comes with the atmosphere of that stadium, all those rocking stadiums, the bands, crowds running onto the field after a game, something you never see in the pros, strictly to college. That school spirit and love of the game will be fully replaced by how much money a player can make off of the local car dealerships in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And there's a good point to it. But it's also ignoring the fact that college sports have been a business for a long, long time. The amateur in amateur sports has been really just a symbolic name. It's been a business. They just haven't been paying their employees. And still won't be. The colleges don't have to lose any of their profits over this new policy and are now beginning to embrace the public business look of it all, ditching classic rivalries and conferences as Texas and Oklahoma have already begun the process of ditching the Big 12 for the SEC. We're not too far off from a super league of the biggest schools coming together to make maximum profits off of large-scale matchups and playoff expansion throughout college football, Something that will even begin shaking the massive landscape of college basketball when conferences like the SEC and ACC have to start choosing between the two sports while looking at basketball powerhouses like Kentucky and Duke who don't contribute quite as much on the football field compared to Alabama and Clemson. The NIL has obviously opened the floodgates and brought on a tidal wave of potential for the future of college sports. Hell, even in the high school realm, as some high school seniors with locked-up scholarships have begun foregoing their senior years to avoid injury and prep for the big money they can make as soon as their freshman year comes. But despite so many potential problems and fears of the fans, the true importance of the NIL can't be understated. The players are finally getting paid. When you not only help contribute to a company making billions and billions of dollars, but are the face of it, some full rides for school and free use of the library, it's all awesome. But $8 billion is a lot of fucking money. The athletes have always deserved a cut of it. And while they still really aren't getting that cut, at least they're able to get something somehow. And with the NIL finally allowing for student-athletes to receive paid endorsement deals, it makes for an exciting time here at the 323. Because what many of you may not know is I'm actually somewhat of a college football star myself. That's right, folks. Your boy Reed Murphy is a star football player at BYU. Now, granted, it's BYU Idaho. A little different from BYU Provo in Utah. That's the one everybody knows of. The D1 program where 
you know, you got stars like Zach Wilson, quarterback of the New York Jets now, and Taysom Hill of the New York New Orleans Saints. That's where they played, Provo. Idaho is actually D2. Or was. We kind of got out of sports. So I was in more of a rec league. Well, yeah, it was rec league football. Like four games. But I was a damn star in every one of those games. And, well, I don't really go there anymore to BYU-Idaho. I'm at VCU now. But still a football star. Well, actually, I mean, we don't have a football program at VCU. It's a basketball school. And I don't really have time to do the rec league there. But it still doesn't change the fact-ish that I'm a BYU-Idaho football star-ish. A fact-ish that I've actually used through the NIL policy to get the 323 its first endorsement. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I introduce you to the 323's first sponsor, Skip Samuels Used Car Emporium and Barbecue. Shit! Doggy! Skip Samuels here, Skip Samuels Used Car Emporium and Barbecue. Now a proud partner with the 323 starring What's his face? Doesn't matter. Because the real star is and will always be the wonderful collection of motor vehicles I have supplied just for you. I and the late great Henry Ford before me will be the first to tell you that a car with under 100,000 miles and no scratches ain't worth a damn built by the strongest of beavers. Sure, you can show off your brand new sparkler Tesla and watch the value sink before your very eyes as soon as you leave the lot of that uh, Tesla Emporium. Or you could come to Skip Samuel's Used Car Emporium and Barbecue and get a car with enough miles on it to tell better stories than a Bobby Gentry album and more respectfully beaten up than Antonio Margarito. And not just that, we also have barbecue that Fox News ranked as slightly better than something you'd get in Anchorage, Alaska. That's right, folks. We're Fox News ranked. Get a free slab of our purest delicacy, Chef Devo's greasy-ass ribs, with any purchase of a car made in 2003 or before. I'm just joshing with you. They're all from 2003 or before. It's deal after deal after deal here at Skip Samuel's Used Car Emporium and Barbecue. But don't just take my word for it. Coming to you courtesy of that brand spanking new NIL law, here's college rec league football star Reed Murphy. Hi, I'm Reed Murphy, formerly a questionable football star at a questionable college, BYU-Idaho, and now a questionable football star at a college with no football team, VCU. I needed new wheels after some country bumpkin who may or may not be blackmailing me into reading car sponsorships blew up my Kia Soul. But while everyone said, Reed, get a nice new Ford F-150 or a 2021 Toyota Camry, all I could think about getting was a 1972 Chevy Vega. But where, oh where, could I ever find my dream car? 
only at Skip Samuels Used Car Emporium and BBQ. That's where. And I got a free somewhat used bucket full of pulled pork to go with it. What a deal. Thanks, Skip Samuels. You're the best. All right, I did the shit. Can I go now? And if you thought that pansy's opinion was something special, wait till you get this. Here's NFL Hall of Famer, Hollywood icon, and nothing really else of note, O.J. Simpson. Hey, commercial world. It's me, yours truly, O.J. Simpson here, to tell you just how much I love Skip Samuel's used car emporium and barbecue. With incredibly low prices on cars that are legally priceless, and barbecue that'll make you kill your wife. Who wrote this shit? Who wrote this? I'm tired of being tricked into commercial appearances, having my juice-centric name thrown through the mud. I'm a Hall of Famer. I played for the goddamn Buffalo Bills. I was a movie star. But no, no, Juice is a murderer. Juice killed his wife. Juice was driving that white Ford Bronco down the highway. Damn it. I did not drive that car. I was in the back seat. But no, that's all. I got this used car salesman, cheap ass mother. How much am I getting paid? Really? Even though I'm OJ Sim, I'm not getting shit. Well, shit. Skip Samuels used car emporium and barbecue. Cars and barbecue you'll kill for, but you'll get acquitted. So come on down to Skip Samuels used car emporium and barbecue. Located in the backyard of that abandoned house off the four mile fork. Tell them OJ or that some bitch off the Spotify sent you. Skip Samuels used car emporium and barbecue. All right, so we talked a little bit about Messi earlier in the News to Know segment. Brought it up um, and, you know, got hijacked by a little Lionel Richie talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because the show is silly. And we don't give soccer, really, the respect it deserves unless we're talking about DC United's very own Griffin. Yeah. But Messi... This Messi story, him leaving Barcelona, it is one of the biggest sports stories in the world. And it deserves the respect to be talked about, and it needs to be covered. And I think that you should know about it, because the implications that come from it are massive in terms of revenue, in terms of why somebody of Messi's caliber, you know, considered possibly the greatest of all time, Pele's up there, Pele will not be moved but you could look at it almost as soccer's equivalent to Michael Jordan, LeBron James, with Messi being kind of the LeBron James in this scenario. For Messi to leave Barcelona, and really not by completely his own choice, the team is in financial ruins. They could not afford him. Millions and millions. The salary caps in soccer, especially in Spanish leagues, European leagues, the salary caps are much different than what we do here in the States. There's something that they have actually looked kind of down on us for, of how we use our hard caps and all, but starting to look a little good. A lot of 
leagues, a lot of organizations in soccer are actually looking at our salary cap situations and starting to think about adapting, according to multiple reports from ESPN and Yahoo, particularly coming from how Barcelona had to handle the Messi situation. They did not have the money to pay their face, the face of their franchise, their superstar. Messi has played for Barcelona for 16 straight seasons. 16 years. And that's not even considering his time with the famous academy. I believe it's La Masia Academy there. He's been with that team for 21 years. He's 34. And he's leaving. He's headed to Paris Saint-Germain. Going to be teamed up with Neymar once again. Two-year deal. PSG is looking forward to the revenue coming from that like you would not believe. Extremely excited to see what comes from this. And I truly believe it will only be a two-year deal. But nobody really knows. Nobody knows what the future holds for either party. It's a lot to explore. It's a lot to talk about. It's something very fun to look into if you're a sports fan in general, not even if you have to know, you don't have to know soccer stuff. Just looking at this from the perspective of a superstar generational talent leaving his franchise. It's something we've become pretty equipped to here in the NFL lately of star talent leaving their franchises. This is Patrick Mahomes if he left the Chiefs. They couldn't afford him. But with the case of Lionel Messi, you have to look at how it's going to affect Barcelona. They couldn't afford him right now. They're in a financial disaster. Where do they move next? How do they build back up from this? They will be fine, I'm sure. They will continue to build up young players from that academy, and they'll win games. But it's not going to be the same. You don't have Lionel frickin' Messi there anymore to sell your tickets. How will the fans react? How is this all going to look in a couple of years? And for Messi himself in PSG, it's a two-year deal. Where does he go from here at 36 when he's done with that contract? A lot of people still holding out hope that he's going to come to the States. Finish out his career like so many soccer greats do. When they're starting to, you know, hit the tail end, come to America, hit the MLS, make an ass load of money. Enter Miami, David Beckham's team, they're looking for that hard. And it would be one of the biggest sports signings in that city's history, at least recently. Since, definitely since LeBron James came to the Heat. But right now it's all speculation, it's all talk, and I'm really not the best person to tell you about soccer stuff. I'll just report you the headlines. Emily Sissel, our leading soccer contributor here at the 323, she's the one you want to talk to. And she actually did that recently. It's the tail end of a conversation, a whole, whole massive conversation between her, Scott Elia, and Raymond Dubrule. All talking a whole lot of stuff for our big football show that we're going to be doing soon. But these last 10 minutes, 
were some awesome soccer talk, some awesome intel from Emily's massive soccer mind that actually may convince you to watch some soccer. You'll want to listen to the whole thing when we release the 323's big football preview show. But this little soccer talk, I think it actually got Ray and Scott. I think she locked them in. She's like a used car salesman. But with soccer and messy. So, let me turn it on over to Emily, Ray, and Scott with some messy talk. One quick question for you, Emily. Is Messi coming to the USA? Probably not. You don't think so? Uh, no, I mean, so no he got way. picked up, and, you know, Reed can cut this wherever he wants yeah. to. Um, no. I, we're I, recording I, this I, at the end of the top five. So <laughs> This is the Messi, only soccer news I know, so I figured no, I'd throw yeah, it so in. Yeah, so Messi <laughs> left Barca. Barca was not willing to pay Messi's price, basically. But, Messi, wasn't they also, weren't they trying to get, like, other teams in the league to help pay his salary or something like that? It was or a whole thing. They were like, like, we want to, like, keep you. You've been here forever. But the thing is, like... He's gotten so big and mm-hmm. so inexpensive, and they just weren't willing to keep up that price. Yeah, um, it's like you got to think about how much revenue they're missing out not having him there, just oh, solely yeah. with him not being there anymore. Barca is such a big name around the world that but they won't it- have many problems with that, and they can take that money that they would have spent on him and allocate it to others. Yeah, um, and then so PSG, which is. Paris. Uh, I was to say, I know that name. Yeah, I was going to say, I've heard of PSG. It's another one because Neymar, he went there and Mbappe plays for them. Mbappe. So now they have, who is like one of the biggest French names. Um, oh. So Mbappe hmm. and Mbappe, Neymar and now Messi are there, all three of them together. And they, I mean, I hate Neymar because he's a little ba- whiny baby, but I mean, the three of them together could truly put some magical moments happening on the field. Right. And I don't know necessarily if Messi would want to go to the USA when he has this great opportunity to continue playing with that level of people. Of yeah, and it's not that it's not necessary that they wouldn't be able to pay his prices necessarily because with MLS we have some serious salary caps and mm-hmm. stuff like right. that. Um, he has good connections with Beckham to where it would be possible where he would come and play for Miami a couple of years like Wayne Rooney did and Ibrahim did. I was about to say, how much is Ibrahimovic making right now? Is he still playing at the MLS? Yeah, he plays for AC Milan now. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, which is another, that's a big Italy team. Right. Milan's a big Italy team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, huh. so it's, But also, just, I, I know you said Barcelona is like huge. It's, are they huge because of it? Messi's been there for like 17 years, hasn't he? 18, something like that? Crazy? A crazy amount of time, but it, no, I wouldn't say They were big before yeah, Messi? Yeah, 100%. Oh, okay, okay, 100% okay. they were big before Messi. It's the same thing with Real Madrid, same thing with Man U, Liverpool, Arsenal. They are big-name teams, and they okay. are some of the oldest teams, so they've had great players the whole time. Messi and like Ronaldo and all them, they've brought, you know... Sounds like you would like soccer. Big names. Yep. (laughs) They brought some big names, but, you know, that's not going to be the end game. And again, Messi, he's not necessarily going to play his whole life. At some point, he's going to retire. At some point, he might be like Wayne Rooney where he goes to coach instead. That's what they say about Tom Brady, too, but there's no end in sight for Tom Brady. No. He's a cyborg. No, no, no. He's a robot. (laughs) It's not even real at this point. Mbappe, he's young. He's like early 20s. Dang. And he's like one of the best players in the world. David Beckham would have embarrassed these cats, though, right? I'm just, 
Nah, like Beckham, like Beckham was a great player, but I I would put a lot of these players above Beckham. Oh, they just can't. Or they bend it way better than him. One hundred percent. Okay. Beckham That's only got what he got with Sporty Spice. That's the only reason he has claim to fame. And it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to compare soccer players because a lot of times when you're talking about like great American football players, it's like best quarterback, and you're putting quarterback against quarterback against quarterback. We talk about people like Ronaldo versus Messi versus Mbappe versus Pogba, and they all play vastly different positions. Hmm. Like Messi and Ronaldo play totally different positions on the soccer field. But they get compared every day. (laughs) Every day they get compared. I'm like, it's really hard to compare two people who play totally different positions when their job isn't necessarily to score all the goals or to have the best footwork or be the fastest person because every position on a soccer team has a very specific point. Right. There's like attackers and defenders and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, but I then there's even, soccer. but then there's even more than that, where you have mid players, midfielders that are doing both, and they're controlling the whole game. They're the playmakers, making everything happen and run. And you then, would be a midfielder, Scott. No, I would not. You do both. I would be sitting on the bench, handing people Powerade bottles. That's midfielders run sad. the entire field. It's like not one happening. of the most exhausting positions. I know the people at home can't see it, but do you see this body? Does this I was feel, <laughs> look like I'm running all over I, the field. I was more saying you do both. and then you never even add in goalkeepers into the Mm -hmm. game game when you're talking about the greatest soccer player i'm like i couldn't name one soccer goalie um tim howard bill hamid ochoa um tim howard (laughs) (laughs) that's all i know uh there's a lot of really great goalkeepers that i would throw in there for being Mm -hmm the best players ever that should be in the but again it's hard to compare them compare everybody to yeah each other. it's like hmm. bessie i think is the best in his position and as much as i hate ronaldo for so many reasons he is the best player in his position but they're two totally different positions mm-hmm. hmm. okay well no I, i'm sorry that for bringing messy in all this <laughs> i made it a little messy but i was just curious and i knew you would know yeah <laughs> and it's it's going to be a big thing to see. Like, will he come to the MLS? Will he not? And I'm hoping the MLS can continue to grow. And it is growing because every year we're having new teams being mm-hmm. made. This year it's Austin. I believe next year Nashville completely comes up if they hadn't this year. Didn't Orlando have a team like two years ago or something like Orlando that? Orlando still has a team. I was about to say, didn't they just make a team a couple years ago, though? You yeah, it's like, I mean, like when I say no, every year there's a new team, every year there's a new team. Oh, wow. Hmm. Um, and it's because it's quickly growing and it's becoming much more I was going to say, massive. most soccer leagues are like 60 to 80 teams, though. Right? It's like something ridiculous, isn't no, it? No, 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 because leagues will end up combining for different cups. Like, uh, Premier League is not like 60 or 80 teams. It's probably 25 teams, I believe, around there. But then Premier League will compete against others in the Champions League. So that includes some German teams, some Italy, some Spain teams. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then there and then there's the whole national level. Right. Well, it's like I've always had this viewpoint that the MLS has been like some kind of like the like the the G League for NBA. Like it's always like a springboard for a lot of people. Like people kind of come to the MLS first to kind of like do what they got to do or like it. or like older people who like are just past their prime competing retiring, in there and yeah. they kind of retire the MLS. Is that kind of like the notion within like the soccer community with the MLS? It's kind of like kind of that hybrid between the two? Yeah, so that's the that's kind of what the notion has been, but I would say MLS has been having a major switch where they're right. they're really gaining traction because a lot and the U.S. men's team has really sucked in the past, but they have actually been gaining a lot, and I mean a lot of traction, by 
getting these really good young homegrown players and a lot right. of them are playing in the MLS. I mean, like two of them play for DC United, Paul Ariola and uh, Canals, and then go DC. <laughs> Wait, can you say that guy's name again? Paul Ariola. Cool. Yeah, that's a dope name. That is a dope name. I might have to go get his his kit. Is that what they say now? The kit for their yeah. Their he's a jersey? he's number seven. <laughs> <laughs> he plays. He he's an attacker. He mostly plays like a wing or striker. I love it when Ariola is a good attacker. Um, <laughs> he's not like crazy young like some of them because some of them, I mean, like they're still playing like U twenty. Mm-hmm. So they're like under twenty years old, but oh, that's so the other thing that I hear about. Especially they start like national 14, team. Some of them, don't they? Like, yeah, there's well, they have like there's academies 14, overseas U15. for kids. But it's like that's we have thing. academies too, MLS. And see, that's oh, one wow. thing that I, I constantly hear about the U.S. like national team is like they're like seventeen and under team. Like they're always like really really good compared to like other people, like other nation nations teams and stuff like that. I don't know if that's a normal thing that I've heard. They before. usually do pretty well. I think a big part of that is that the kids aren't necessarily getting noticed early on in the other countries. Right. So like in Mexico, Mexico's got a lot of really amazing soccer players, but they're all in their tiny little towns playing barefoot. Right. Like they don't have that exposure. Like that. they don't have the same exposure and the opportunity to go to those camps yeah. where they'd make it. Right. And when you get a country that big it can be hard versus the US is fairly rich and so you're playing travel soccer and you're able to boost your way up to playing for a club and then right yeah oh okay well, this is definitely turned into a conversation that i did not see it going yeah no i, did not I think we're gonna be talking about soccer for this long no i mean i'm definitely i'm i'm ready to start watching soccer i guess i'm gonna have to find a team that's right everybody start watching soccer <laughs> got two new fans now <laughs> <laughs> but it's been fun it's time for at the movies with mr b <laughs> That's right, it's Mr. B time. Travis Byram's here. Hi, Travis. Hey, man, how's it going? It's going good. Had to get the children screaming for you. (laughs) So, for this edition of At The Movies, we're going to do a lot of movie talk, but we also have a lot of Kanye talk. Oddly enough, but he's like a movie in and of himself, (laughs) in a sense. But I wanted to start with something that I have a little recency bias on, which is the movie theaters and whether they're ever going to return. We talked about this before, but it's starting to become a scarier reality and issue, I guess, because I would say so far out of outside of some like one week boost, nothing has really like gotten the theaters back to normal. Yet, you haven't seen, like, the massive box office halls or anything. And it's just, like, the convenience of these same-week premieres on streaming, especially with HBO Max, that can't be denied by so many moviegoers. Because, I mean, like, normal years, if, like, Godzilla vs. Kong was just in theaters, or The Suicide Squad, or even just to support like in the heights I'd be right there in the theaters but having HBO Max I can't bring myself to go you know make the trip to the theaters and then spend more money to see the movie when I've got it right there so I mean what do you think do you think the movie theaters are ever going to be able to return will there be some success this year um my my, my girlfriend thinks that movie theaters are gonna uh, die out by the end of the decade (laughs) 
<laughs> by the end of the I'll decade? Look, by the end of the decade, they're going to go the way of uh, um, Blockbuster. But I, I'm a little more optimistic, but I, I am so frustrated when um, – and it's happened tw- twice now, mostly, in the Heights – like you said, the simultaneous release. And then it's like, oh, well, I guess that means people don't like musicals. And then, you know, this this soft reboot Suicide Squad comes out and it does okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, oh, well, I guess, I guess superhero movies are dead. <laughs> and it's like, are you stupid? It's, of course, if it's going to get an HBO Max release, people, and I don't blame you, um, you know, you don't, is it now I don't have it. Is it like Disney plus where you have to pay an extra fee or is it free with the subscription? No, that's the thing. You, it's free with the subscription for 30 days. Oh. I think for the 30 days that it's in theater, you can watch it free. Right. Um, I remember to me that this reminds me of the 2019 Oscar season when Irishman and marriage story were coming out and they were like, Oh, they're released in theaters. So they get to be eligible for the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm not, I'm going to watch a three and a half hour Martin Scorsese movie in the comfort of my own home. Like there are no, no pee breaks in Irishman, (laughs) no intermission. I'm going to, I'm going to sit there and enjoy it from my own home. And I don't, I don't, I don't blame, you know, moviegoers. I don't blame movie fans for, not wanting to go out into the theaters where, you know, you can risk getting sick when it's right there in your living room. Right. Yeah, there's no point to that. Now, it's like you said with HBO Max, it comes for free, Disney Plus. I think that does help when they're charging the consumer $30, I believe it is, on Disney Plus. I think that is a little incentive if it's just like a couple. Like me and my girlfriend, when we wanted to see i forgot i think it was jungle cruise okay. we went to the theaters to go see that instead of paying the 30 dollars. if it's a big family i understand it maybe yeah. that could be a model that helps going forward but yeah i would i would need about five kids to justify like renting jungle cruise <laughs> <laughs> in the living room did you see jungle uh, cruise i i did not uh my uncle saw it he was um not a fan but let can i tangent real quick and ask you a question yeah did the rock did the rock get to uh kiss or sleep with anyone in the jungle cruise um (laughs) i believe he does get to kiss he does get to kiss someone he gets to kiss someone i saw something on twitter the other day it's like why can't we let the rock have sex and Immediately, I thought I was like, "Oh, because he's like he would kill someone." But yeah, then it's like, <laughs> yeah, that was my thought just now. <laughs> but uh, I think it. Um, I just read this really cool book called "Pictures at a Revolution," and it talk a lot of it talks about Sidney Poitier back in the fifties and the sixties, and about how you know he was basically, for all intents and purposes, the only black man working in Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, and they could not let him get away with being sexual, being sexy. He had to be, you know, he had to be perfect in all of his movies. Right. So I was just, 
I was just wondering about that. I I've seen a few rock movies. He does a lot of family stuff. So I get why there's no nookie in that, mm-hmm. but like, you know, I think he, I'm pretty sure he's the biggest star in Hollywood. So like, you know, let hashtag, let the rock have sex. That's right. Yeah. We're going to start that here. Let you the know? rock have sex. <laughs> I know he has some R rated movies, like some R rated action movies. Maybe he's getting some in those. <laughs> I just haven't seen them. Maybe it's when he had hair. Maybe it's something about the head that intimidates directors with sex scenes. That That's true. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want it to be that, you know, the studios, because Dwayne, you know, Dwayne Johnson's a person of color. I don't, I don't want it to believe that, oh, this guy's a person of color, but, you know, he has to be this massive hulking man instead of, you know, some, someone that could have romantic feelings right um uh but you know i'm not sure i'm not i'm not the biggest rock connoisseur how did you like jungle cruise i like jungle cruise i heard it's better i heard it's a better movie to watch under the influence of things (laughs) but i thought it was pretty entertaining enough and i thought he was extremely charming in it actually i think it was one of his more charming roles that he's had very cool. I love Jumanji. You know, I love, uh, I held that original movie to be like sacred and they really did something. Yeah. Uh, especially that first movie. The sequel was all right, but that first movie was one of the biggest surprises because I was going in ready to just like. Uh, right. Yeah. I kind of like yeah. protested it for a while. I didn't see it. And then my girlfriend <laughs> finally like got, she just, you know, put it on one night and everything. And I was watching it. I'm like, oh, okay, this is a, actually pretty creative way to do a sequel and reboot is yeah man yeah um but as for the theaters i i am always optimistic about them um i know black widow even though there's so much going on there with scarlett johansson and disney which is never never a good idea no Mm. uh because the mouse the mouse is stacked nope um but i um you know, I saw that it pulled in something around $80 million, I think. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Even if, if if superhero movies are the ones that are going to bring us back into theaters, by all means, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've gone to four or five screenings in theaters this year, and it's been, it's been a little scarce. I remember I, I saw The Father mostly by myself um, back in April, so... Um, Listen, if we need the big tent blockbusters to bring it back, so be it. James Cameron's got uh, he, he's got all five avatars that are mm-hmm. going to come out <laughs> in like in like 17 years. So mm-hmm. maybe that's going to bring us out of this movie recession. You never you never really know, because and that was the scary thing with Black Widow. I think it did. It made 80 million in the box office on its opening weekend and then 60 million on Disney Plus in that same opening weekend. And then with the box office, I don't know what the Disney plus totals, what happened there, but I know the second week it was a damn near 40% drop off at the box office the next weekend. Okay. So I don't know if the Disney plus numbers will continue to affect it. I don't know if Disney will care because they're using it to screw over their leading women in their contracts. (laughs) 
But it's like you said, the scarce showings in theaters has been kind of weird because when we saw Black Widow, there was a decent amount of people in there opening weekend. Jungle Cruise, there were, I'd say, like four, five other couples maybe in the theater with us. And that was opening night. And I'm just not sure what movie do you think that's coming out through the rest of this year could possibly do it? Because we saw Free Guy last night, and I think it was excellent, actually. It was funny as hell and very, very creative. It's a very much a Ryan Reynolds movie, but <laughs> it hits all the funny notes. And okay. it was maybe the biggest crowd that we've been in for a movie yet. Plenty of people scattered all throughout. It was a small theater, but plenty of people scattered throughout it. So I don't know if it's free guy. I don't, I haven't seen the box office numbers for it yet on opening nights, but any other movies you see coming out that could possibly be the Um, domino? (laughs) I, hmm. you know, uh, I don't know why I think it's going to be this like crazy sleeper hit, but um, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, Dune is so stacked with people. It's, you know, it's, it's off of an existing IP. Mm-hmm. It's got, it's got Timmy Shally. Timmy Shally. Front and center. Uh, Timmy Shally. To old, old Timothee Chalamet. Shout out to the guy. <laughs> Shout out to Tim. Um, we love you too (laughs) but then i saw the kiss of death which was that it's gonna be released on hbo hbo max baby uh and they're gonna be like what why didn't dune do that well and it's like because everyone's watching it everyone's watching it from their living rooms and Mm -hmm. uh, so and that honestly man with scope that you should see in a theater i believe you should you should see it in the theater and there's no you know um you know what maybe the upcoming i'm sorry if i don't oh this is terrible i i should know this but the upcoming uh marvel movie with the uh the asian superheroes um shang chi yeah shang chi thank you yes shang chi i have not of the ten rings you know what? That could do it. That could do it because we obviously saw that, you know, there's a huge market for Asian cinema here just with Crazy Rich Asians alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it kind of reminded me, Crazy Rich Asians kind of reminded me of um, when everyone was coming out to see Black Panther. It was just kind of a it was just kind of a national pride that I, I think was wonderful and why they were all flocking to theaters. Right. So um, that, that that film might do it. That might do it. And I watched the trailer for it yesterday and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah. And I think it'll benefit. It's not being released on Disney plus at the same time. You'll have to go to the theaters to see it. Really? Mm -hmm. I think they only did that with black widow just because it was, you know, start of the pandemic. Let's test the waters Mm -hmm. on this. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for eternals yet. That's the other Marvel movie coming out. And that's uh, Chloe Zhao is directing it. Oh, that's hers. Mm-hmm. No, I, oh, man, I'm so, I'm so behind it. I didn't even realize the trailer had dropped. 
yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go there just to, just to support her. That's yeah, awesome. I think that could do it. And one that I keep forgetting about, but I saw the big ass poster for it last night in the theater is, uh, really James Bond, the, uh, no time to <sighs> die, which they're sticking by that theater release. They've <laughs> delayed that movie. I think like two, two damn years now. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know. That could be it. I'm going to the theaters to see that regardless. Rami Malek is Rami Malek and Christoph Waltz is your villains. Oh, God, I feel I feel like I knew more about the movie two years ago when it was supposed to come out. And I was like, oh, Rami's going to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> but I've forgotten that. I think they I put out like, really well. I think they put out like the Billie Eilish theme, like middle of the summer last year. And <sighs> then the movie just <laughs> they never came. Dude. I, yeah, I, I had forgotten about that. I'm not the, the, the biggest bond guy, but um, I really, I just saw Skyfall on a lark really liked that. Um, so yeah, I might, might end up seeing that. It seems, it seems like a good cast. Can't go wrong with Christoph. No, no, I think there's hope, but switching yeah. gears a little bit to a a man that's basically a movie himself your guy Kanye West that's the one thing we call this at the movies with Mr. B but Mr. B <laughs> damn well knows his Kanye West <laughs> and he's been in the news a lot lately because the long awaited album Donda <sighs> named after his mother Donda West is supposed to be released it was, it shocked everybody a few weeks ago, I think three weeks ago. He said it was coming out that Friday. Did a whole concert for it. Never came. It's, it happened, I think, two years ago with the same album. And then finally, I think last week, streamed it, saw the whole playlist and everything on Apple Music. Ooh. Travis was reaching out to the computer all night. <laughs> And it just never, it never dropped. He's still living in Mercedes-Benz Superdome, <laughs> perfecting this album. We feel like Will Smith and Fresh Prince when his dad came back and then left. <laughs> Travis, why don't he love me, man? Why don't he love me? <laughs> Travis, is this damn album ever going to be released? <laughs> Oh, I was so disappointed because I I got I think I got a notification from Apple or either that or I was every like every day at like seven o'clock I would like check um just to see if it was there. And I finally saw something, a glimmer of hope. I was like, oh, he's doing I mean, whatever the hell it was that he was doing in there. It was it was some performance art stuff. Um and the audio I wasn't alone on this. The audio kept dipping out. So I'd hear a little snippet and then just that. So uh, I was getting really frustrated and I tried to take a screenshot and I sent a picture to you or I, I, I wanted to send a picture to you and it was all, it was just blackness. And I was like, what kind <laughs> of voodoo is Kanye putting on this that I can't, I'm sure it's an Apple thing, but um I was like, and on Twitter, hip hop Twitter was going insane. They were talking about a track he had with The Weeknd, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I was, I was so ready for that. Nothing. And now he's rented another stadium. Good God. To complete it, I think. He's going to run out. 
He's going to be in the middle of an NFL game doing this. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait, wait. I need, I need to mix this. Um, I, I don't know, man. At this point, I think it's just Kanye messing with us. I think every week he's going, it's going to be from a different stadium. And then when he runs out of stadiums, he's going to start touring colleges and then elementary schools. So hopefully uh, Donda can get mixed in uh, Vandalia Elementary where I'm at by 2025. I would, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bring him over to Ferry Farm Elementary. I'll be there. <laughs> um, I, I think he's the master at his own publicity and all seriousness. I think he's getting the hype going. I think also compared to Drake, Drake, who hasn't given us crumbs, who's left us starving for Certified Lover Boy. That's true. It's I completely like, forgot about that. And Drake said the album was uh, coming out in January. So at, at least at least Kanye wasn't that cruel. Right. Uh, but I, uh, I'm not cautiously optimistic about... <laughs> I'm optimistic about the theaters. About Kanye, I would be happily surprised if we get it before September. Yeah. See, I expect this from Kanye, but now you've gotten me all riled up thinking about Certified Lover Boy again. Because that was supposed to come out like around the Super Bowl. And then Drake sprained his ankle and said he couldn't release the album. <laughs> Don't know what the hell that is. Just but, that alone, that is that is hysterical to me. That, you know, the, the, the ankle, clearly the, uh, the bone from which all singing produces. Uh, so... I, uh, I I am so upset. The only thing that could change my mind on this is, you know, back in 2007, Backpack Kanye, arguably his greatest era. Mm-hmm. Um, he and 50 Cent um, were going to have their albums drop on the same day. That's right. I remember that. And 50 Cent said, if Kanye was so more albums than me, I'm going to retire. Mm-hmm. And Kanye basically put him in retirement. I think graduation did almost a million, mm-hmm. and fifty cents, whatever that was called, clearly don't remember it was. A, I did about seven hundred thousand. So a great day for hip hop. Um, but it's like I would really be interested if Drake is just he's got his his finger over the send button, yeah. and as soon as Kanye drops, boop. yeah, he wants. What if he wants to be the one to kill Kanye? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kim tried. Kim tried. Drake succeeded. <laughs> Drake may succeed. Uh, I want the smoke there. I absolutely want the smoke there. Even though I do, I do love Drake. Um, I love the music he puts out. Uh, uh, my our friend Brad. Our friendship is basically completely dedicated to talking about Drake. Um, I I think Kanye is you know far better an artist. Than Drake is so. Um, if, if both of them are dropping at the same time, I'm listening to Donda first. Keeping on the Kanye track, we're gonna do a very special edition of the top five. Are you Ooh. ready, Travis? I am ready, sir. Are you ready for top five Kanye West songs? Let's do it. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the three, two, threes top five. Oh shit. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Travis. We'll switch out here. You want to start at number five? 
Absolutely, yeah. Um, number five, this is probably going to be maybe the most controversial pick on here. Um, let me start off by telling everyone there is nothing on here past Yeezus. Not to say that everything else is bad. I like Ye. Mm -hmm. Jesus is King was an album. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I think the life of Pablo should be... I, I almost view it as just one massive song. Yeah. Uh, it, it should be listened to. If you're going to listen to it, listen to it in its entirety because it's the most brilliant that way. Uh, but number five, I am actually going to go with my, I think my favorite Kanye West opener, uh, On Sight by Jesus. <laughs> on Sight by from Jesus. Hit you with the panther. Um, on Sight. I remember listening to this when I just had a little boombox uh, in 2013. Um, no album cover on it. It was just the the jewel disc and a parental advisory sticker. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you hear that, uh, and he says, Yeezus season approaches. And it's like, oh man, I, I use that as a hype song for nothing, uh, for, <laughs> for everything, the opposite of nothing. Uh, it gets me so hype. Um, I just feel like he's having so much fun on it. And even though It sounds like the Kanye that they listen to in that SpongeBob episode when they go to the future. <laughs> I can't, I can't argue against that. I, I yeah, mic drop after that. <laughs> so I think this will be a fun competing top five then, because my number five is actually um, God is from the album Jesus is King. <laughs> went a little gospelly there it was it was close tie for number five between that and the new workout plan from i believe <gasps> college dropout mm -hmm. but i just went with this because i heard i heard it last night so there could be a little recency bias but i heard it again for the first time in a while but just that i don't know that choir that choir that he put together is one of the most beautiful gospel choirs i've heard in a long time and just the transition from the sample, which he's one of, he's probably the all-time best at sampling anything, any music. Would, yeah, and taking that sample, merging it into the beat, an incredible, incredible song, I thought, off of an album that was okay. <laughs> it was an okay album. With Kanye, I don't want okay. I want, I want the next thing in music, but... I agree. God is, is a good song, and I think my favorite from that is Everything We Need with Ty Dolla Sign. Yeah. We got everything we need. We That's got everything we need. It's <laughs> a good pick, Reed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, what's your number four? <laughs> okay. Let me see here. Okay, number four. Um, This is a... I mean, it was so hard not to pick stronger. It was so hard yeah. not to pick stronger. It's not online um, either. Yep. And for the for the record, I tried to pick just one song representative of off one album. 
And we did go, you did tell me my favorite Kanye songs, not what I think are his best. Mm-hmm. So I would say number four with old, uh, old Chris Martin from Coldplay, Homecoming. That's a good poll. Yeah, it, it took me, I think, three years to realize he was talking about Chicago. Um, because the very first time I got introduced to Kanye was my friend giving me a burnt disc. He said it's a Kanye album. He didn't say what it was. I didn't know the track listings. It was just like, here's this burnt disc. Um, it had skips in it, not intentional skips. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember uh, listening to Homecoming. And then Chris Martin coming in. Uh, I think he utilized him perfectly. And uh, once I did realize it was about Chicago, I just thought it was such a beautiful love letter because um, he's so he, he represents Chicago anytime um, he's so proud of where he comes from oh just that piano that that beat start in that piano it just sounds like a champion kind of song yep you feel victorious mm-hmm. and the the length of the song three minutes 23 seconds so very appropriate look at that <laughs> I like it. Um, my number four, little upset here. I'm sure this is higher on your list. Gold Digger. <laughs> number you four, are correct. <laughs> number four on the list from late registration. I mean, you can't really. There's no other way to hype up Gold Digger. Everybody knows the song. Everybody loves that song. Jamie Foxx does the perfect Ray Charles impression on it. It's a... Uh, it's so funny. It's an awesome song, incredible, massive hit. Every everything on this top five, I love. I, it's how it speaks to how great Kanye is. That Gold Digger is like one of the. It could be a top five song in general for hip hop. Sure. Yeah. Just Easily. incredible, and it's so fun to go to like a club or a bar, and Gold Digger comes on, unedited, and you just sit and you just people watch, and you just watch for certain people. Because everybody's singing it, so you just watch, you just watch for the right people <laughs> to say, see if they're gonna sing out the whole song. You never know, and it always, and it's all, and it's always a lot of people just sitting with their drinks, sitting with the Crown Apple and Sprite, a little smile on their face, the Anthony Mackie smile, <laughs> that coy little smile. <laughs> it's like, I, you know what? I was gonna, <clears throat> I was gonna save that exact, uh, <laughs> that exact kind of story for when it comes up on my list. Um, I do remember Gold Digger. I mean, that was 2004. It came on in 2017, and people still lost their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one of my, one of my uh, black female friends <laughs> was like, Travis, you watch the white people, and you tell me who says anything. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And the chorus came up. And sure enough, this guy, and uh, he, he was a little paler than me. He had a he had a button-up shirt and some khaki pants. Said, "But I ain't messing with no broke." And then he said it. <laughs> yep. And I didn't even have to turn to her and say it. Yeah. Slapped mm-hmm. him right across the. Mm-hmm. And just for the audience to know, Travis said white people. I didn't say white people. White people. I'm talking about you, but oh, Travis said oh. it. Travis opened the floodgates. He said it's white the Caucasians. People. They love to push the boundaries. <laughs> the white people. 
What's number three, Travis, for the white people? All right, number three. I mean, we we talked about what our favorite Kanye album was, and that that's another podcast for another day for sure. Oh yeah, it's such a hard time choosing from my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, um, because I think maybe top three Kanye's best songs is gorgeous. I think those are his best bars. Um, but for number three, I went with my personal favorite song. Rick Ross, Bon Iver, Nicki Minaj, Jay-Z, It's Monster. That's a good one. Uh, you know, I, I have a poor memory. Um, I need things to be repeated to me constantly. Uh, for song lyrics for me to, you know, I'm not one of those guys I listen to it once and I know all the lyrics. This is one of maybe like 10 or 15 songs uh, that I can recite word for word. I, I don't I don't care where I am. I'll, I'll be at a funeral, and then it's I shoot the lights out, and I'll just start screaming. Um, I think it's the perfect amount of Rick Ross, which is about uh, 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. It is it is hilarious. He gives him four bars. Yep. Uh, and there are great four <laughs> bars. He's like, Bye-bye. Um, and of course, this has been said to death, but uh, this is Nicki Minaj's best verse ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. ever. I, I don't really want to hear any debate. <laughs> I agree with that. You know what? My my number three, it's the same thing with a featured verse. It's not the it's not that song, but it's the same oh. it's the same kind of situation with a great featured verse. My number three is Ultra Light Beam from The Life oh. of Pablo. And that is, I won't even call that too much of a Kanye song. It's a Kanye production, full on. Choir, everything about it's beautiful. Chance the Rapper's verse on it is one of my favorite damn rap verses. I, like, I, it came on in the car last night and I'm just I'm sitting in line at the drive-thru, just bobbing, cars moving and everything, because I'm going every line of it. His best verse, I think, by far just a beautiful song and it's and it's the intro to life of pablo it gets you gets you going on that journey that story that he's telling there so what's your number two travis all right number two these are going to be uh these are going to be fairly standard picks no surprises here um i just had to go with my heart number two is through the wire excellent Um, choice I think it. This is the best example of the the genre and the and the kind of hip hop that he did. That chipmunk soul pitching up those samples. Mm-hmm. And once you know the context of he, I think I'm pretty sure this was his debut song, and uh, he was rapping with his jaw wired shut. Yep. It's. I don't even to to announce talk about announcing yourself to the world to say hey I'm gonna be a hip hop star even though I can only talk like this. Mm-hmm. Um, the pancake line is one of my favorite bars <laughs> of all time. <laughs> I'm just the scissor. Um, it is to me. It is. Um, it's one of two songs. Number one being, of course, the best. But it is one of two songs that I can truly say only Kanye West could have made. Mm-hmm. My number two comes from our favorite album, My Beautiful Dark Twist of Fantasy, also okay. featuring Rick Ross, 
There it is. It okay. is Devil in a New Dress. You hear him, folks. Still you. Bum, bum, bum. Um. <laughs> One of my favorite damn songs of all time. That is, that is, and that's not even number one. It speaks to how crazy this man is. I just love that song. I love, I, Kanye's got some great one-liners in there. Does two great verses. That's usually where you could end the song right there. Starts yep. to fade out itself. Comes back in. Rick Ross, one of Rick Ross's best verses. Everything. Then you just goes for another minute boom just let that music play for a minute everybody's just feeling it whole album is just insane getting getting tupac money twice over is the best thing that rick ross has ever written in his life mm-hmm. uh 98 of his songs are about him being a drug dealer that he never was yep. uh, and i'm a rick ross fan right and as soon as i heard that song i was like oh this is a turning point for Rick Ross, and then it wasn't. But it was a good, it was a good mountain for him to peak on with "Devil in a New Dress" and that guitar solo. Oh yeah, <sighs> that's part yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. It was. I was hard to choose "Monster" over this, but I had to think: what song am I going to? You know, what's my favorite of these? And it was "Monster." But "Devil in a New Dress." Yeah. Timeless pick, man. When it comes to tools, fool, I'm a pep boy. <laughs> <laughs> when it came to dope, I was quick to export. He really was a, the greatest drug dealer to never live. <laughs> he, was, he was a prison guard. It's so funny. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Travis, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my number one just so we can save the big reveal. Because I'm not sure what your number one will be. But I want to okay. make it a big reveal from you. So my number one is Touch the Sky. From late oh. registration. And the club looking extra fly. That's right. You got the music video with Nia Long coming in, interrupting the whole thing, trying to damn near kill him. Uh, I'm at perfect Curtis Mayfield uh, sample. And I'll mm. love any song with a Curtis Mayfield sample. Sure just makes me feel good every time i hear it lupe fiasco's verse on it is excellent kanye's at his best i think damn i was gonna say i almost said uh late registration was his best album but it my beautiful dark twist of fantasy i think is his best album damn near graduation is almost his best album absolutely fantastic artist fantastic artist travis what is your number one Great pick, man. Yeah, that touch the touch the sky is absolutely making a top ten. Uh, but for me, we had to punt it up a little bit. But for me, the ultimate Kanye West song is "Gold Digger." There we go. It, I, and especially with how erratic he's been, I think people also forget just how funny Kanye is. Yeah, he is so funny to me. Kanye and Eminem are. The, my favorite rappers that can make me go oh and then chuckle at the same in the same like four minutes mm-hmm. um when he says i'm he's gonna leave your ass for a white girl yep it just puts a smile on my face every time because it he's kind of joking and he's kind of not um uh it's it's jamie fox doing a ray charles impression right and just it's coming so off of the weird. oscar 
And he had just right. come off of the Oscar. That's a flex. And it, it is. And it's like, you know, I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure Jamie Foxx also wanted to do it in his own voice, but he's very clearly doing a Ray. And I just think that's hilarious that Kanye... They probably sat down and Jamie was like, all right, you ready? He's like, wait, you know that Ray Charles thing you're doing? Mm-hmm. Do that. Um, it's got the perfect, uh, I think, his best sampling of beats. Um, it's got his uh, his best chorus. Um, yeah, there's no, there's some songs that are just evergreen. And I think in, you know, when our grandkids are playing or hanging out in college, someone's going to put on Gold Digger on the oldie station. Yep. And it's going to be like, everyone's going to know the words. Oh, yeah. You're going to have, you you get little kids screaming, we want Prina. I want Prina! (laughs) (laughs) That is an excellent top five, Travis. Thank you very much. It has been an excellent at the movies with Mr. B. An excellent at the Kanye with Mr. B. Drop, I know Kanye listens to this. Yeah. Drop Donda, damn it. Yeah, and Drake. Drop Certified Lover Boy. <laughs> I know you comment on this show every week. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of our show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everybody who has joined and contributed to this growing little show. And if you want to help this show continue to grow hit the stratosphere to the moon like all you doge kids say jump on over to patreon.com slash 323 read pick yourself up a good little sub package will become your pwb your podcast with benefits who doesn't want that Ooh. In the meantime, we've got plenty of content coming at you. But we'll just say goodbye for today. Uncle Lionel Richie, did we do a good job? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a good job, right? (laughs) Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, take care. We'll see you next time. Stay safe. Lionel, see you later. Bye, baby. Take care.